everyone, and welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for joining me on another journey through the podcast airwaves. Uh, today, we are venturing into the health and wellness of the trail runner. More specifically, bone health and bone density and how it affects runners and what runners should know about it. Now, the conversation can benefit both the male and female runner, but uh, this conversation is directed more towards the female side of things, just because osteoporosis and bone density affect more of the female demographic than they do male. And uh, if anybody who's familiar with the endurance race series, you know that 65% of our runners are that female category. So I like to kind of direct uh, some of those conversations to the to our main category when we can. But to do so and to talk about this, I brought in an expert. She is a New York City-based registered dietitian, food and nutrition writer, national speaker, new mom, and <laughs> owner of Greenleats. It's a plant-based sports nutrition. Welcome to the Trail Life, Natalie Rizzo. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't wanna hurt nobody. Well, I don't wanna fight. Well, offer me the peace of mind. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat about this because it's yeah. super important for runners and women, like you said. Yeah. Well, congratulations, first and foremost. First time mom, you said, two and a two-month-old now, right? Yes. So how how is how has life changed for you right now? I mean, it's you're <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. It's really funny. He was actually born on my birthday. So we have the oh. same birthday. Yeah. Um, so since that day has been like a complete whirlwind of oh, my, my world goodness. turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is awesome. So congratulations on that. When it comes to the conversation of of bone health, I I feel like this should be a bigger conversation sometimes than than it is. I mean, bone health directly is related to stress fractures and stress fractures are really huge in, in the running community, whether it's road or trail. Um, but I don't really hear a lot of the conversation get directed towards actually what bone density is and bone health and what to we can do to help prevent that. So that's why I wanted to jump, jump on this conversation with you and, and kind of talk about that. Getting right into it, like, I guess, how can bone density be described or explained? I think it's not talked about a lot because bone density doesn't really start to break down until later in life. So it'll be women over 50. And then for men, sometimes they don't even deal with it that much. So in general, the bones are constantly turning over, meaning that they're broken down and new bones are formed. Uh, that happens throughout childhood and it starts to, it peaks around age 30. And then after that, the formation of bone starts to slow down and the breakdown of bone starts to speed up. So I think that's why it's not talked about a lot is because it happens later in life. But essentially that's kind of how bones work is that they're reforming all the time. And um, you can contribute to the health and keep them healthy so that they continue to form in a healthy way. But then you can also, live a life that's not super healthy for your bones and they can break down faster than they're building up. Yeah. Well, you know, what's crazy is, and I know what, I know what my demographic is and I'm sure it's pretty similar across the board when it comes to other trail ra uh, races or even some road races is, you know, my biggest category for runners, both male and female is that 40 to 50 
category. Again, it's kind of surprising that the conversation doesn't come up more because I've seen more, you know, 30 plus year olds, uh, doing these, doing races and, and being out on the trails versus your teenagers and 20 somethings. Right. so it's, it's, uh, always something to get into and you should, and should know a little bit more about. So osteoporosis is, is huge. And that's what really is the, is the major, I don't want to say disease, but it's the, uh, issue when it comes to bone density. How can, what is osteoporosis defined as? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure it is a disease. It's a diagnosis that you get diagnosed with. Yeah. And it's essentially that okay. your bro, your bone mineral density, which is the um, concentration of your bone is, is weak or brittle and mm. it's breaking down um, and you're not able to replace it. It usually happens to postmenopausal women, which is, you know, like you said, over 40, over 50. And one of the reasons for that is because estrogen, which is a hormone that women have before menopause plays a huge role in bone health and keeping bones strong. And then after menopause, estrogen drops and your bones start to become brittle. So that does tend to happen to some women if they didn't have bone health, if they didn't have great bone health throughout their life, after menopause, they may start to see their bones start to deteriorate and become brittle and you can't rebuild it. it it's basically like just keeping it in a maintenance phase, right. not trying to um, deteriorate any further. So it is actually pretty dangerous when it happens. Right. How does, um, so when you're talking about it after menopause, uh, it starts to give you worse, but how does like going through pregnancy, how does that affects like bone density and osteoporosis and stuff like it's got that's got to be some kind of connection as well right there's it's interesting because there's two different things that can happen one is that the baby growing inside of you is taking your nutrients no matter what so if you're not eating enough calcium or vitamin d the baby is still going to take the calcium anyway and what it's going to do is it's going to take the take it from your bones so it will take the calcium from your bones and it will strip it and it will give it to the baby because no matter what that baby is going to take what it wants (laughs) that said you're during pregnancy your estrogen levels are super high and with that your uh bone health start it uh turns over quicker meaning that it builds up stronger bone so a lot of people don't end up with osteoporosis just because they were pregnant but if you don't have great dietary habits that lend themselves towards the bones during pregnancy it could cause issues later in life i guess i'm just gonna stick with the pregnancy thing just really quick so as the baby is is taking away that calcium and vitamin d is there any risk of overdoing it when it comes to the calcium and vitamin d as you're as you're pregnant is that is that a concern at all taking in too much calcium yeah. you mean yeah yeah it, there you can take in too much calcium and you can start to calcify different organs in your body but honestly it would be a huge mega dose that you were taking right. multiple times a day that i've never really seen a lot of people take um, and it's it could lead to certain issues that i haven't i haven't come across much so it's not something I generally worry about with people because um, most people don't even take a calcium supplement as it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the last, well, I drink a lot of milk, I think. So, <laughs> so I don't, I've, I've never really had to take any kind of calcium supplements, which brings me to, to my next question is milk is milk still considered 
like the biggest form of, of calcium. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you just said you drink a lot of milk. Cause I was saying that's rare among adults. It's <laughs> oh man, really I love rare. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, and dairy is a great, great source of calcium. It's, but most adults don't drink it. Once you get to become a teenager or whatever, you stop you, your, your parents aren't making you drink it anymore. So it's, but it is great milk, yogurt, things like that. But there are other foods that have calcium. For instance, for vegans, uh, soy is a huge source of calcium. So, things like tofu and then edamame um, and then a lot of the vegetables leafy greens have calcium there's nuts that have calcium there's plenty of things that have calcium you can get it from other foods mm -hmm. but dairy is the easiest way because just one glass of milk a lot of times will have enough calcium that you need for the entire day let's let's consider it like you just were talking about soy so how does soy versus almond like even soy versus almond milk uh, work as far as that goes. Is it still, is soy and almond kind of the same amount of calcium in each glass of milk, I guess? It depends you know? on, it depends on the brand of almond milk. So almonds are not necessarily full. They don't have as much calcium as soy does. But what happens with the plant-based milk, because there's so many out there, they fortify them, which means that they add in nutrients afterwards. So to make it similar in nutrient profile to dairy, meaning that they, they will add in calcium, they will add in vitamin C, all of that stuff. So a lot of times the nutrition facts label looks the same and it is the same. It still has calcium, but it didn't necessarily come from the almond. So it's interesting. You just have to read the label because <laughs> every brand is a little different. Got it. How does, so I guess from the technical side of things, how does the milk actually work to help strengthen the bone? That is a good question. Uh, so essentially when it comes to bone health, what's happening is that you, like I said before, the bone is breaking down and then the blood starts, brings in calcium to restore the bone. So when you're drinking the milk, it's going into your blood and then it's basically going into your bone to restore it. Um, that's kind of like the basic science level of that is it's just really lending more calcium to replace the calcium that's breaking down. So when it comes to other f types of like, let's say chocolate milk versus regular milk, is there any difference in calcium when it comes to the, to the chocolate versus regular? There shouldn't be. No, not at all. And it, in terms of chocolate milk or even strawberry milk or something like that, they're just adding in flavoring. So okay. it should still have just the same amount of dairy. There may be differences in the type of milk, for instance, whole milk versus skim versus um, 2%. But I, it's so minimal that I think just still, still drinking a glass of skim milk, you're still going to get plenty of calcium. It, it's, you may get a little more from whole milk, but it's not, it's okay. not much more. Okay. So that was going to be my, so, cause you go all the way from whole milk all the way to fat free. Right. And that's kind of always the separation there. But uh, I, my, my big thing is, is a uh, chocolate milk. I, <laughs> I probably drink more chocolate milk than I do. <laughs> I do regular milk, but I guess I never got away from my, you know, the old adage saying is I could drink a glass of milk a day and it helps, it helps out with everything. I've just never swayed away from that. I just enjoy it way too much, I guess. So, I mean, as a side, as an aside, there's a lot of research on chocolate milk for endurance athletes and, oh, how, and recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, like recovery beverage. That yeah. is actually hundred percent true. So go for it. Drink your chocolate yeah. milk. <laughs> <laughs> I always, uh, my wife always jokes around that I order chocolate milk in, in restaurants. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the Midwesterner in me that comes out. Just enjoy having that, the dairy myself. Yeah. But. Good for you. That's, I mean, 
mean, it makes me want a glass now. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, so what are some others, you know, you talked a little bit about the soy products that have calcium and what are some of the other, uh, food groups that are food types that have calcium, whether it's, whether it's vegan or, 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 you know, your regular eaters, like what can people look for, um, from the high calcium diet? Mostly, like we said, dairy and then green in terms of vegetables, you want to stick to the green vegetable. So that's going to be things like kale, broccoli, spinach, uh, bok choy is another one. And then soy is another good thing. Like I said, you to- tofu, soy milk. Um, and then there's also products that are fortified with calcium. Like we talked about the almond milk, but then another one that's always fortified that has a lot of calcium in it is orange juice. So oh. Yeah, you'll see on the label a lot of times on an OJ container, it may say like contains calcium and vitamin D. They fortify those. Yeah. I always I always think of vitamin C right away when I'm this is orange juice. I don't even really consider the rest of everything else most of the time. How how many uh I guess it's how many milligrams of calcium should one person be taking a day? It's about a thousand milligrams. Okay. Uh, which sounds arbitrary, but when you <laughs> when you look at a nutrition facts label, it has a percentage on it. So you'll see the the number of milligrams, and then on the right hand side, it'll say percentage, and that percentage is the percent of the daily value. So if say it says forty percent, that means you're getting forty percent of your calcium in that serving of food. You know, the one of the things that when I was doing the research here, I didn't I didn't know that um, vitamin D actually played a huge part in bone health as well. You know, going out and being in the sun helps out, you know, that's your main, is that your main source of vitamin D is being outside? It is, but it's so not reliable. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, what's the correlation there? I I, I guess I never really understood that. Interestingly, our body can make its own vitamin D from sunlight, Um, but it's not reliable. I, one of the only nutrients that most everyone is deficient in is in, is vitamin D. And right. the reason for it is because we live in different temperatures. So I'm in New York, it's winter here. I'm not really out in the sun. People yeah. have different skin tones. So the different skin tones means that you absorb it in different ways. People wear SPF, some people don't. So it's like completely unreliable to get enough vitamin D from the sun. Um, and you could get some through foods, but there's not a lot of foods. It's basically eggs, mushrooms, some um, nuts, but rarely people eat enough vitamin D um, and vitamin D it does. It helps with the absorption of calcium. So those two things go together hand in hand. A lot of times now you'll see on a calcium supplement that it also includes vitamin D. And like I was saying with, um, with the orange juice, they put calcium and vitamin D uh, milk already has vitamin D in it. So they don't have to worry about that. But yeah, those two things really just go together because it just helps you absorb calcium better. Is vitamin D kind of along that same line of a thousand milligrams a day? Is that <laughs> to make this even more confusing? It's 600 IUs. It's a completely different measurement. Uh, <laughs> once, <Okay. laughs> I know because I've never heard that one before. So explain that one to me. <laughs> uh, it's just a different form of measurement. It's um, yeah. There's all these all these micro. They call them micronutrients. These smaller nutrients have different forms of measurement, um, which is why it's confusing and which is why they put percentages on there. So if you look at the milk container, the nutrition facts label where it says vitamin D, which vitamin D is on the nutrition facts label now because they found that enough people aren't getting enough of it. So they put it on there to call attention to it. Um, It'll tell you how, what the percentage is that you're getting in that serving. So on milk, it should be close to a hundred percent, but 
um, on a lot of other foods, it'll be 0%. Wow. I've, I've never even considered the IU category there as well. So <laughs> it's kind of, and, but you can also take vitamin D supplements, right? Like, but that's not as common though. People really don't take a vitamin D supplement too, too often though. Some people do. It depends. Really, you can. You definitely can. Um, I think a lot of people now, when they go for their physical every year, their doctor will check their vitamin D levels because it's becoming more prevalent. And if they see that they're deficient, the doctor may recommend a supplement because it's one of the easiest ways to get it. Unless you're eating a few eggs every day or drinking a few glasses of milk every day. Right. There's really not that many other, or, or if it's summer and you go to the beach every day, then maybe good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to like vitamin D, you talk about eggs uh, as, as a great source of vitamin D from a vegan side of things, uh, what foods are kind of high in vitamin D? One of the only plant-based foods that has vitamin D is mushrooms. Um, oh. It is, yes. <laughs> and there are tons of different types of mushrooms, but it's one of the only ones, which is why a lot of people are deficient because unless you're eating these specific foods, you just don't get enough. Yeah. And mushrooms are kind of a love hate type of thing too. Like you can get some really terrible tasty mushrooms. <laughs> it kind of makes you never want to eat those again. <laughs> but Oh yeah. You got to get, and there's so many varieties and they have to be cooked well. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the, one of the big things that also helps out with keeping osteoporosis away and keeping bones strong is that doesn't happen as much as it should in, in running community is the strength training aspect of it. How much of a, like from a strength training perspective, does that play into uh, the osteoporosis side of things, because the, the strength of the strength of the muscle is going to also increase the strength of the bone. Yes. So interestingly, my mom actually has osteoporosis. Um, she got it in postmenopausal, and her doctor always tells her to do strength training and then also load bearing exercises, things like walking and things like running. So repeated movement and, and putting load on your body actually helps to build the bones. They've done some research. This is really interesting, but they've done some research to find that people who actually weigh more have stronger bones because of the amount uh, of mass that they carry around. I, yeah, I guess that you don't really think about that, but that's, I guess that'd be true. And then if they start to lose a lot of weight, right, let's say it's, you're a 400 pound person, you lose 200 pounds. How does that affect, so they've still got their bone density built up, but now it's, I guess they would have to kind of maintain that to some degree, I guess, with other types of strength training and nutrition, I guess. Yeah. I think it's, if you lose it in a healthy way, then you shouldn't lose any really bone density. There are some instances, of course, with like eating disorders, for instance, have been shown to give people early osteoporosis because they're nutrient deficient, their bones are really weak, they're really underweight. So things like that can cause osteoporosis. But if someone loses weight in a healthy way, it shouldn't negatively affect your bones. Oh, that's always good news. Um, yeah. So when it comes to, like I said, stress fractures are a huge part of the running community, right? It's a lot of that's not only so much the health aspect of it, it's also overtraining type of stuff too. Like what would be some of your like top three, top five tips as far as preventing osteoporosis? For obviously that's an, some of it is an overuse injury, but from the nutrition side of it, 
just making sure that you focus on calcium throughout your entire life, because I really think it's emphasized for children. We're giving them milk from the time they're toddlers. We're making sure they get enough calcium to build their bones. But once you reach that age of 30, your bones are just deteriorating and you need to maintain them. So you need to focus on calcium throughout your life. And that doesn't mean you need to drink a glass of milk a day if you can't tolerate milk or you're a vegan. There's still other foods like we talked about. So making sure you get plenty of that. Um, one of the easiest ways to really do that is to kind of eat fruits and vegetables and eat a variety of them. Uh, I feel like I say that for basically everything in the nutrition world is eat your fruits and vegetables. But if you do, you're going to get these nutrients that you need. And then I think also just if you think that you have a deficiency or you're not even sure if you're getting in enough of this stuff, you can ask your doctor to just check your levels through a blood draw. Um, and with that, if they find that you're deficient, they may tell you to take a supplement. You don't necessarily need one if you aren't deficient, but if you are, you can take a supplement and it can give you the amount that you need. Uh, and then lastly is vitamin D is so often overlooked. Like I said, most people are deficient in it. It's a very hard to get vitamin. Um, check that one. I would definitely ask your doctor to check your levels because you probably are deficient and it probably wouldn't hurt to take a vitamin D supplement. What that means to me is one, drink your milk. <laughs> An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Yep. Right? That's the old adage there. Um, and then get outside and run the trails. Just get outside yeah. and, and ex experience the trail system. That will help out overall with osteoporosis. So that's, For sure. that's my take on what you just said. Okay, good. And still wear your sun, still wear your sunscreen. Still, still wear you your can, sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. You can still absorb the vitamin D with the sunscreen on. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for, for helping break down, you know, bone health and talking about osteoporosis today. Cause it is, I truly believe it. It's not something that gets talked about enough in the running community. So I really appreciate you coming in and lending your expertise on it. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that'll do it for the episode of the Trail Life Podcast. A special shout out to Natalie Rizzo for joining me today to talk about uh, bone health and stress fractures in the running community, especially for the women uh, category. I know that's a huge part of our demographic in the Endurance Race Series. Uh, so we want to make sure that we got that knowledge out there. Uh, definitely not something that gets talked about enough. So I'm glad we had the opportunity to do it today. Um, you know... I hope you guys got a lot out of that conversation. I know I did. If you want to check out more uh, about Natalie Rizzo, maybe the article she wrote, there's a great article that she wrote for Trail Runner Magazine. Uh, I'll put the link for that in the show notes, and I will share her social media uh, so you can follow along, connect with her, ask questions. I uh, hope you had a chance to do so. But once again, thank you, everybody, for listening in. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Natalie for joining me today. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys on the trails real soon. Thanks for listening in, guys. Mm -hmm.